you could, let everyone know who you are, what you do, what you're all about, and what you got going on in your life. All right. Well, I'm Courtney Hawkins. I'm a music producer, YouTube content creator, Instagram content creator, beat maker extraordinaire, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I make beats and uh, I produce music. So, And also, I do have a nine to five job. So just to let everyone know, because people do ask me that a lot. I do have a nine to five job where I work in marketing and uh, I do the rest on the side. Nice. Yeah, I, I'm also in the um, nine to five job or career um, kind of kind of boat as well. It's a hard balance, like doing doing YouTube and music business and a job. It's it's tough. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a <laughs> but lot. Uh, to, to give everyone the backstory, um, I've been watching Courtney's channel for I think I originally saw your thing a couple of years ago when I bought my own uh, machine. Do they say it Machina or machine? I've always wondered. It's Machina. But for like us Americans, it's machine. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so Courtney has an awesome series called Just a Girl and a Machine. And uh, that was like one of the first videos I saw when I was trying to like get up and running with my native instruments machine. And um, I think at one point I like hit you up somewhere to like ask back when I was doing music production, if you wanted to collab. And I think I used like the wrong email or something. And then uh, recently, I remembered, you know, when I was doing these kind of interview series, I was like, Courtney Hawkins would be great to have on because you you have like you have a lot of success points in the music world. And I thought it was super cool. Mm -hmm. And I thought my audience would, um, you know, love to hear how, how you did it and all that. So um, I think a good starting point would be what's your YouTube journey been? Like, when did you start and, and how long did it take you to start like gaining a fan base? Yeah, sure. Um, well, my channel started in like 2012 and I was like making remakes of like instrumentals, um, basically just instrumental remakes so I could like teach myself things because I don't have a musical like education background. So I didn't, you know, I wasn't trained classically or anything like that. So I would just use YouTube as a way yeah. to like, you know, get feedback on whether it was good or bad. But then I stopped doing that because I was working more in the industry. And I was like working on, during the time ringtones were really popular and like they wanted you to remake popular songs. So yeah. I was working with Sony and I would submit uh, basically ringtone instrumentals. And I was doing that for a little while. And then I started actually working on trying to get placements and all of that. And that's just like a whole other thing. <laughs> And you kind of get a little burnout from that. I'm not going to lie. So yeah. I came back to YouTube in about 2018. I was in my last semester of college. So I just wanted to do something for fun. I didn't have a whole lot of like classes. I was like, okay, I have some time. Let's do this video thing. Let's try to, let's try to do YouTube. Hmm. So I started doing these little like tutorials, I think. I think I, my first tutorial was like a Kai MPK mini or something. Mm -hmm. And I did it because nobody had one on YouTube <laughs> on how to program the pads. Yeah. And I was so frustrated. I was like, nobody has said anything about this. It took me forever to figure out <laughs> I'm going to make a video about this. Yeah. And it, it's like one of my like top videos. So I thought that was funny because like literally there is no other video that went over this at that time. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but then I was like, I don't want to just do tutorials because I love making music. So I did, um, I took a, a picture of my machine, the MK3 when I got it and I 
I captioned it just a girl in her machine. And somebody in the comments said that would be a dope YouTube series. Yeah. And I was like, all right, done. <laughs> so <laughs> I started filming that series and the rest is pretty much history on that. I, I, it just started like with, you know, wanting to do something more with my time and then it progressed yeah. into working with brands, which was weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what you said about how, you know, you originally made that video because you had this piece of gear and no one was making videos on how to do certain things with it. I, I found through like all the different types of content I've made over the past like 10 years, um, the best types of content are the types that no one else is doing because it's, it's you're filling mm -hmm. like an, an actual need and a gap in the YouTube content area and know you you started off doing like if you can find a piece of gear that no one talks about you're going to be kind of king of the category so to speak in that piece of gear and yeah. um for me you know it's uh, back in the day i was teaching screaming lessons like how to scream like metal stuff and which is so weird that you say that the first time i saw you do that I was like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's it's funny when people get recommended my old videos like is you know youtube sometimes just gets the recommending stuff wrong and the, be like what the heck like I, w I subscribed to you for music marketing you scream in a metal band like what what's going on um yes and then when i was doing music production and, and gear reviews or like more software reviews I, I noticed that software reviews and stuff tend to be a pretty big driver of uh views especially if like no one else is covering them so um, right. for everyone watching if you're trying to get into youtube do that strategy <laughs> Yes. And also like, I, I, for me, for me personally, doing things that other people are doing is like, it's not motivating. Like it feels really like soul sucking a little bit. Yeah. Like I, I don't enjoy it. So <laughs> I, I would say do your own thing. Like always do your own thing, whatever it is, do it. Don't, don't chase a wave. Yeah. Yeah, because when I think about your channel, I think about, I mean, the, the Just a Girl and Her Machine series, obviously. Um, and I think about you have a very unique editing style that, like, you can tell it's a Courtney Hawkins video even with, like, the audio off and with, without seeing your face. Um, like, the overhead shots and the color grading and the way you, like, overlay um, screen grabs all, like, a, on your desk and stuff, it's, it's super unique and cool. And um, I forget where I was going with that. But if, if, if someone were to ask you, because I get this question all the time, people are like, oh, I, I want to start a YouTube channel, but I don't know what to do. Like, what mm -hmm. content would you recommend? Like, maybe someone's a, you know, an EDM producer, maybe they make kind of lo-fi beats or, or something in that vein, Ableton Live, Logic. Um, what kind of content ideas would you give to a, a newcomer that wants to get into the YouTube space? Well, I would ask them one of two things. I would ask them with are they wanting to, you know, teach people or are they wanting to perform? Because YouTube is kind of set up in one of those two categories where you're either it's a how to or it's a hey, this this is who I am and this is what I do mm. thing. So I would ask that. And then if it was like the how to thing, then always keep your personality in it and don't try to be like anyone else because those intricacies and those niche things that you do are what makes you and that's what engages people people don't like a lot of mystery they like yeah. to see like the quirky stuff and like you're you're like 
Funko Pops and all of that stuff. Like, because it's, it's like a representation. They're like, oh, I'm like that. Or if they see a Rubik's Cube, like if I have a Rubik's Cube in one of my, one of my videos, they're like, oh, Rubik's Cube. Like, it's like a, it's weird. It's, it's something so small, but yeah. it's like a connection immediately. Yeah. So always show your personality and uh, just, just try to like, you don't have to do one of the two. You don't have to just do a how-to or, hey, you know, this is me performing. But, like, I would figure out what it is. Like, why? Why do you want to do YouTube, basically, first and foremost? Yeah, those are all great, great pieces of advice. And that's that's pretty much exactly what I think I would say, too. Uh, like, to a T. Especially the part about keeping your personality in it. Like, a lot of people want to be, you know, just doing screen shares and not show their face. And it's... I've tried that and I've noticed that you'll get a lot of like, like for example, a software review and you just like play some music and show a demo. You get a lot of views, but no one's subscribing. No one's commenting. No, no one gives a crap about who you are. <laughs> yeah. The, the engagement is just so low on that, that type of stuff. Like, unless it's like beats. Um, I know there's a lot of beat channels where they'll just upload their beats and they'll have like a really static image and, Sometimes they get a lot right. of engagement and sometimes they don't, but it's that's a really hit or miss market because the only thing that draws the person in is the beat. So, mm. you know, your chances are uh, of getting that engagement are lower because you have to have one thing that's going to grab them instead of if you're on camera and you're showing your personality, you have a little bit more to work with. Yeah. And for all those beat people, you know, it's pretty common for those uh, for, for people in the beat making, try, you know, they're trying to sell their beats and stuff. Well, while it's super saturated right now, it seems like um, yeah. a lot of them are trying to go on YouTube and just upload like a piece of artwork and a beat. And personally, I think that's a bad idea. But like what else could a, a beat maker do to show off their beats, but not just like be a boring person who, you know, writes like. Lil Nas X type beat and has like a, a artwork and just music. Like, what else could they do? Um, honestly, you could probably do the more performative aspect of it. And like, you don't have to do like necessarily the beat making process, but you could show yourself performing the beat and that would be a little bit more engaging. Show uh, a little bit more of your setup because people are really interested in setups and like, yeah. especially producers, because you're not just going to get artists looking at your beats. You're going to get producers looking at them like you and I have seen these beats. Yeah. So you, you, you have opportunity to, you know, engage with multiple people, like multiple people and a broader audience. So show your personality, show your setup. Uh, and, you know, just just do what you want to do and make the music that you want to make. Don't hmm. make the music that you think people want you to make, basically. It's pretty... Because that will keep you in there longer. Because <laughs> the <laughs> longevity of copying people is not there. There is yeah. no longevity. Yeah, it's nuts, like, the different types of beats people will make to, to keep on top of trends. Like, I bet you, you know, when did, when did that song by Cardi B come out? Like, a week ago? I bet you there's already, like, four two weeks i think yeah it, there's probably already a ton of uh, type beats made after that and oh for sure <laughs> and, it's crazy yeah and uh Yandora in the chat just asked could you post beats and songs on the same youtube channel what do you think about that yeah i think you could for sure 
because it'll show people like like is he saying your his songs or like I think he means songs that he's worked with with other people. I think he means like um, if you're both selling beats and releasing music as an artist, would you kind of mm -hmm. put them both in the same channel? Oh yeah, I would for sure because it will show like customers or you know your your audience that you can do both of these things and if it's an artist and they see you having full songs together they might reach out to you for mixing mastering engineering stuff as well because they'll hear what you did with the vocals yeah and you're actually an example of this like you if you type in everyone go type in courtney hawkins on spotify and um you'll find you have a decent amount of music i don't remember um how much you have but you you put out music you know you don't you're not just yeah. a beat maker and uh right you actually have a lot of music like a, a lot on spotify so um this isn't just something courtney's saying like oh go do this like she actually releases music and sells beats and um i would think that the traffic you get on spotify like someone hears that you're selling beats you know you, you mentioned earlier yeah. that now you're not uh, selling them publicly as much but um, yeah. If someone finds you on Spotify and they like your songs, that's only going to help you. And if you have them on YouTube the same way, I can't think of any way that having both would hurt you. No, absolutely not. And I've had people reach out to me with um, from the Just a Girl and Her Machine series asking about the beats that are in those videos, if they're for sale and stuff like that. So it, it can't hurt you. It can only help you if you put more of your stuff out there. Yeah. Now, while while I have your Spotify open, um, <laughs> what's what's your strategy <laughs> been for releasing and promoting your your music side of, of business, like the actual songs you release? Uh, this is where <laughs> I probably should do more work because I literally have no strategy. <laughs> I just release things whenever and uh, hope for the best. Really, like I've never bought any playlist uh spots or paid for ads for spotify it just kind of since i do have that little like producer community some of them have playlists that they have graciously put me on um yeah and it just kind of happened word of mouth kind of thing where i would be in somebody's playlist and then they would add it to another playlist and things like that so i kind of had that organic growth but it is something that I am looking at for going forward because I have so much unreleased music. It's insane. <laughs> like, I was like, I need to do something with this, but I need to have a plan for it. So, yeah. So yes, going forward, I definitely need to look into scheduling things better and like setting up the marketing um, better so they have a better chance at uh, getting to people. Yeah. It's, it's doing very well considering you haven't promoted it. Like, a, a, I, mean, I don't want to say normal person. I want to say like a, a non-YouTuber yeah. person with no existing community or audience. If they just put up the songs uh, willy-nilly, that you know they get like five streams. But you yeah. doing it since you you have this community in your YouTube channel, um, you're still getting 3,600 monthly listeners and you have 553 followers. Essentially, as you said, doing everything willy-nilly, putting stuff up when you want with yeah. no strategy. <laughs> so it's. Yeah, and I don't take Spotify too seriously just because I just want to get my music out there. So that's that's most of the reason why I don't do that. But going forward, like I said, I have so much music that I do need to 
that you do have to have a plan when it comes to Spotify and getting things onto playlists and everything else, like making sure it has the best uh, first week, you know, uploading mm -hmm. it at least a couple months before, maybe a month before uh, at the latest, you know, you want to give yourself the best chance that you have can. And um, yeah, I just haven't done that lately. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. But still, I'm glad it's uh, glad it's going well. But on, on the flip side, you yeah. know, we talked a little bit about beats. I don't remember what we talked about before and after I actually hit the stream. But <laughs> um, that's okay. So you uh, you mentioned at some point that you you used to try to sell like beats publicly. Yeah, and I I did really well at that, and it it was great. But with that, there's like added stress of like getting beats uploaded every week and making sure like everything is you know together you have to get your stems up there you have to get your artwork done all of this stuff making sure you have your instagram posts together hmm. and uh i have returned customers that i can just reach out to now and i can work with them if i want to or you know i would rather do the custom work rather than just making a beat and then hoping somebody buys it yeah. Um, I still have my beat store up and I still occasionally get sales randomly, but I haven't <laughs> posted any new beats on there for like a year or maybe a year and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you yeah. have it for a bit. Yeah. I noticed you have yeah. sample packs too. You have, I think, two, two different sample packs. I have two different sample packs and I have three that are also not done. Yet. <laughs> so be on the lookout for that. Do you find the sample packs are uh, a lucrative industry? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, I actually have, that was another reason why I stopped um, really focusing on beat, selling beats because I enjoyed creating sample packs more because, you know, when you're working on beats, you have to have it front, front to back done. Mm. And when you're working on loops or, you know, samples, you just have a little bit more freedom and you can work on a lot more instead of being stuck on a beat for four or five hours when it comes to uh, starting and then finishing with mastering and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I never wanted to get into the beat game because I saw like, it's not only is it a lot of work, like to be a public beat person, um, mm -hmm. like per song, but people are cranking out daily beats. Like it's, you almost can't compete nowadays. <laughs> they also use a lot of templates within theirs. And I'm like, I use templates too, but like they'll do a template for like a trap. Like, okay, I'm going to work on trap beats today and they have their template up. So like their plugins are all there and everything. And so they're just basically making the same beat over and over and over again for a couple mm. of days. And I'm not, there's no shade toward that, towards that, but I, I get really bored with doing that type of stuff. I want to have more room to be creative. So yeah. I had to step away for a bit. Yeah, I, I can see how that would be a complete bore. On on the sample yeah. pack note, I mean, I, I have a sample pack store, um, Genera Studios, and um, it's like for everyone watching, it's it's a very, very good way to make money. <laughs> um, it's like I actually market stuff with like Facebook ads for my, my sample packs and I'll do sales and I'll make sales funnels and stuff. But um, it's kind of like I've noticed the higher up you go in the in the food chain, so to speak, like, you know, on, on one level, you have people who make finished songs and then you have people who make 
you know, you have vocalists and beat makers. And then you, the beat makers use sample packs and, and uh, presets to you to make all their sounds. And then below that, you have plugins and contact libraries. And the further lower you can get in that chain, I found the more money you make. <laughs> yes. Because um, it's like 100%. you get this ripple effect going all the way down. Um, so <laughs> I'm glad that you kind of yes. agree with that. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. I, I also do um, contact libraries and those make a lot more money um, than, yeah. than sample packs. And I'm, I've been trying to learn like how to make actual plugins um because yeah. i have an engineering background but it's it's tough <laughs> i can imagine i i thought about it too and i was like man i just feel like this is going to be a lot more work than i think it is in my <laughs> it is yeah it's... getting the graphic user interface together all of that uh, yeah and then all the back end stuff oh no <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's tough. Actually, we have a, we have another question that just came in. Uh, Marexon? I think I'm saying that right. Um, hi, ask her please if she makes beats, mix, and master in machine to software or native instruments or Ableton. So basically, do you do everything kind of like in Machina or do you export into, I think you use Logic, right? Yeah, I do not mix and master in Machina. Um, I'm, I <laughs> make when I do just a girl in her machine, I I'm solely working in machine. Yes. So everything that you see in the video is just machine, nothing else. But as soon as I in the video, I export all of my audio tracks and then I drag them into logic and then I do the mixing, um, from there and adding plugins, mastering and all that is done in logic. That sounds like a, a good strategy. I, I've tried yeah. to do everything because when I originally got my machine, I, banged out an album in like two weeks because I was just having so much fun with it and I, I tried to do everything in the in the machine in the machine <laughs> and uh yeah. man it was it was a bad time real bad time yeah <laughs> it was it is not fun it is not yeah. fun doing that I get that question a lot though people asking me if I do everything in machine and I just feel like we're all struggling together <laughs> like yeah. when we get to that final stage we're like does anyone actually do this <laughs> That's actually the reason I, I ditched using the machine. Um, yeah. And I, I switched because what I really wanted was an integrated DAW and and hardware thing. So and I was using Logic for like 10 years at the time. Um, and so what I did is I was like, well, I found this Ableton push thing online. It looks kind of cool. And I just completely jumped ship over to Ableton at that point. Um, solely be, just like the hardware and software integration. It's like. It's like having an, an iPhone and a Mac and then I like it just all it works so beautifully. So I have Ableton, but I haven't yet dived into it. I'm a little nervous <laughs> because I've been with Logic for so long. I'm like, yeah. do I want to learn another JW? <laughs> it's it's very easy once you know Logic. Um, and for electronic music, at least in my opinion, I find it to mm -hmm. be much easier and much more flexible i still use logic for um all my vocal tracking because it has a good the best comping software for, for vocals and i'll use yeah. it if someone um if i'm doing like a audio exclusive project because the audio workflow mm -hmm. is a little better but um i feel like if you switched over you'd get called like a heretic or something 
God. It's like ingrained Probably. in your, your channel's culture at this point. If I switched to Ableton, they would tell me that I'm a sellout. Yeah. They'd say they For like paid sure. you or they something. Would... Yeah, they're like, great, another one. <laughs> now who's making logic tutorials? Yeah. And so uh, on that on that note, you know, you've been using machine for so long. And uh, if anyone doesn't know, um, Courtney somehow managed to get get these like awesome like native instruments collabs, and and they've picked you for like at some every like every year I feel like they do a couple of contests, and they've put you in like the top of certain either like just pointing out awesome producers in the community, and I've seen you on there at least at least once, maybe twice. Um, like what what's the story behind all that all that native instrument stuff if you don't mind sharing i don't know if you can say it publicly oh, but yeah i can i can um so we talked a little bit about it but basically i had started doing just a girl in her machine and i was really active on instagram at the time and i posted a picture and they liked it and i was like mm, well they know me now i guess i'll just reach out so I didn't have an email to reach out to anyone. So I went to the native instruments and went to their tech support, uh, like chat thing. And I sent them an email saying basically, Hey, I noticed that your marketing team liked one of my videos. I sent them some links and I was like, could you pass this on to them? Like, so we can like touch base on some things. I have some ideas that I'd like to work on. I have a YouTube channel, yada, yada, yada. And they reached out to me and I was, I was in class and I, I opened my phone and I like saw the email and I was like, what? <laughs> I do not expect them to respond to that at all, especially reaching yeah. out through tech support. But I've done that with every brand deal. Like, really? I reached out to every like uh, Archeria. I reached out that way and Rolly. I reached out that way. And, um, it just, I was like, what, what is there to lose? You know, like yeah. you got to shoot your shots. So I was like, they will tell me no. <laughs> so yeah, I, I sent a message through the tech support, basically an introduction, what I'm doing, you know, what I have plans for. And luckily they responded. Not everyone responded. Um, I, I am going to throw shade at one company and that is a tie. <laughs> um, I've reached out to them so many times. And they just ignore me all oh. of the time. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I'm all I'm asking for here is like, maybe we can work together on something. I already have a Kai equipment. Like, yeah, I'm not asking for free stuff. It's like, <laughs> just no, a little shout out or something. <laughs> no silence ghosted. <laughs> they don't want to do anything. <laughs> but yeah, it was so funny because that's like my my top viewed video is the Kai and they're just like, uh, nope. <laughs> oh, that's, that sucks. But yeah. with the, uh, with the native instruments, uh, thing. And then also like I Broly also, it's another common one that comes up and you, know, you it, it yeah. sounds like, you know, people should reach out to these companies more than they think they could. Cause as you said, what's, what's there to lose? You know, you're going to get a no. And then, oh, yeah. You know, maybe your feelings are hurt a little bit, but who cares? You know, that's yeah. And honestly, I was emailing so many companies that I don't even remember the ones that didn't respond. <laughs> like, yeah. So you just kind of like 
you get uh, you get some yeses you get some no's and it, you just keep going about your day but honestly like i was really lucky that i did wasn't overwhelmed in the beginning with how with how many i was sending out um en- enough responded but i felt like it was manageable and mm. Now I'm at a point where I'm having to tell companies no, and that's not always easy to do because I want to be able to help them. I want to be like, if it's something that I actually use and I think will fit into my workflow, then I want to be able to help them. But, you know, you yeah. run out of time in, in a day and it's it's hard to do that. And I do feel bad for having to turn companies down sometimes. So, yeah. Double-edged sword. And I, I've done the same thing back when I was doing, um, like, music production and and software demo videos, you know, like literally a year ago. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And I would just find a piece of software that I thought was cool and just email the company or hit them up on social media and be like, hey, I have a channel and I review all the software. I I get all these views. Want to send over a copy or or something, you know, or maybe Mm -hmm. even set up a, you know, talk with you or something. And sometimes you don't get a reply, but man, I've gotten so many free contact libraries to review out of that, out of that process. And I, you know, I was just doing it for content. So like I have more contact libraries and, and plugins than I even know what to do with at this point. And I did it the wrong way where I got completely overwhelmed. Like I sent out too many emails and, um, I had to not do some things, but it's tough, yeah. but message to everyone out there. Like, don't be afraid to hit up a company and you know maybe it's not a youtube video maybe it's um mm. a brand thing on your social media or maybe they you know a, a discount for merch because like guitar companies will sponsor bands and stuff and give them discounts and it doesn't hurt mm-hmm. no and also i would say like don't reach out to the companies that you you know you're not going to like yeah. use their products <laughs> because that your audience is going to know when you're really not feeling something (laughs) as much as you want to help companies. Sometimes it's best to also say no, because you know that you're not going to use it after you finish that video. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And I I think I've done that a good amount too. Like, as I was just doing reviewing everything I could. And so I didn't even care if it was something I necessarily would use. It was just, it was a cool thing and I wanted to share it with people. Um, yeah, but same. like, I found that was not necessarily the best idea, as you said. So, <laughs> no, it gets stressful because you're like, I really don't know how to integrate this with my workflow, and, yeah. and make it a natural way to talk about it in a video. I don't, and, and I'm telling you, the audience knows every time. They're like, yeah. mm, I don't know about this one, Court. <laughs> yeah, the the best. I've only I've only ever done a paid sponsorship on videos twice um like one where they actually give you money like in addition to a free yeah. product um actually three times but two times were two times were distro kid and distro kid yeah. like i think is like the best company to work with because like they they you know i'm not going to say what they pay because that's probably not allowed but they pay well right. and they they yeah. don't tell you what to say they'll be like hey can you mention these cool features and um I was already using them at the time. So it was like, yeah, I'll get paid to tell people to use something I already use and like. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Yes, yeah, same. And I know that they've like uh, had a little bit of, you know, criticism with like the mm. overseas stuff if it's international artists. But I really have not ever had a problem with them. Um, and also 
uh, when they reach out to me to do videos, like they're just like so easy to talk to. It it's quick, like no BS type of stuff. Like they just are like, hey, could you could you do this? You don't have to say anything specific, but you know, could you mention some features like you said? And it's yeah. like it's so simple, but I, not often is it like that. Where with companies, they're like, hey, it is it where you have like the freedom to do your videos yeah you know like you lose that sometimes i don't think people realize that like you lose the, your creative freedom sometimes when you do those sponsored videos um which sucks so <laughs> I, I try not to do too many of them um especially ones where they're just like way too critical about everything mm. like i don't want to have to follow too many scripts or anything like that or link things where it has to be like above 10 minutes like it's hard to do a youtube video that's sponsored that's over 10 minutes in yeah. my opinion like, how, how, how many times can i say the same thing <laughs> yeah it's like if you see all those sponsors for what is it like shadow legends or whatever and um yes. they have like a three minute sponsored section and like a 15 minute video and i've seen a lot of youtubers complain about that because they'll tell them we'll give them like this three paragraph list of rules It'll be like, it has to be, you have to show more than two minutes of gameplay, talk about it for more than three minutes. Um, apparently the pay is fantastic, like thousands of dollars for even like channels, you know, in, in our ballpark. Um, and, uh, but they like, you're basically just letting them take over your channel for video, it sounds like, you know. <laughs> exactly. And, and I, I mean, you have to factor in I, all of these things like filming, editing well first of all you have to get all your shots together like how the story how are you going to do your video and then you film and then you edit and all of those things take a long time to do so the pay has to balance out mm. you know how much time it's going to take and sometimes companies aren't really willing to budge in that area so yeah. you have to be cautious of that as well right yeah just looking at my thing here. So what do you think out of, you know, you have a lot of videos on your channel. I think I have actually have it open. 135 videos, which actually, I actually thought it was more, but that's still a lot of videos. Um, have you ever gone in like a consistent schedule? I used to um, when I first started, but then I got to a point where it wasn't, uh, becoming fun anymore mm -hmm. and that was the whole reason why I started YouTube was I wanted it to be just a fun creative outlet and it started to become this thing where it was taking up a lot of my free time and I wasn't getting to you know socialize yeah. <laughs> very much with people so uh, I, I cut it back a bit and now I try to stick to a Monday schedule but I've been off the past couple of two, two weeks because I've been just it's been crazy hectic here mm. um, but yeah I tried to stick with a, a once a week thing, but it's hard sometimes, especially with having a, another job. So, yeah, I mean, I, th I went to twice a week in 2019 and um, I've been doing this year twice a week with a Monday live stream and sometimes extra live streams like this. Um, yeah. And uh, I have zero social life now because of that. Like, I don't like I, I like my weekends are blocked off. And that's like all time yeah. with the girlfriend and, and hanging out with people yeah. and stuff. But um, aside from that, I it's it really does suck up your social life, as you said. 
Yeah, it does. And I mean, I haven't been like crazy social this year, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. um this is probably I, the best I year have to found be YouTuber. myself <laughs> I found myself just like creating more like music and not having a camera on me while I do it, which has been like, really therapeutic for me. Mm. And it, it made me like get back into, you know, enjoying making music because for a while I was getting really burnt out on all of it. So it was just a, a refreshing thing to just be like, oh, I'm in my studio. I can work on this and nobody's watching me and there's no expectations. It can just be what it is. Yeah. But also in that, I'm like, I'll, I'll make a, a beat or something and I'm like I should have probably made a tutorial on this <laughs> because somebody's probably wondering how to do this so it's like I've got to figure out a better balance to be honest yeah it is a lot more fun when you make music kind of just for yourself and not for mm -hmm. like a crowd like a, a video you know obviously when you make music yeah. you release it it's not like just for yourself at that point but when mm -hmm. you know the camera's running it's a different experience mm -hmm. <laughs> For sure yeah and if you're a person like me that does not enjoy being on camera it's like you really have to find that extra motivation to you know <laughs> sit down and turn the light on and hit record yeah it's not that easy <laughs> a lot of people don't realize how introverted most youtube youtubers are like almost every single person that i know that does youtube like they describe themselves as an introvert and when i talk to them on zoom or something you know um or in person it's like you can tell they're they're way more chill than they are in, in their videos and uh yeah i think it's just for some reason us us like isolated weirdos of this of society <laughs> like making videos like it's 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 kind of a weird thing i think i think also like when we sit down and we're like about to make a video we're also very analytical and we're yeah. like that can kind of hold us back sometimes whereas we just have to push through and do it like we can't analyze and perfect everything which is hard for us introverted type people yeah <laughs> because we're like oh everything has to be a certain way like, we've already thought about this now we're we're like going on top of that and thinking about it more and it's just like <laughs> just do it <laughs> yeah and i think that's my number one thing i say like as an answer to most questions like just do it whatever you're whatever you're thinking about doing stop talking about doing it just go out and, and do it like whether it's yeah. starting a youtube channel like okay go out and make a video a week for the next year like i want to make music okay just start releasing music every month like just do it like <laughs> um yes it'll get easier though i will say that it does get easier because i had yeah. taken a couple months off from making videos because I had moved and I was uh, had a lot of construction in the studio. And I was like, really, uh, I, I could not get in the zone. I was I was like, I, I feel like this is my first video again. Like, I don't know how to do this. It was so uncomfortable. But then when I started doing it a couple of times, I was like, Oh, okay, easy. You know, I I'm in a groove again. So it does get easier the more that you do it. I will say that. Yeah. And, and the more you can minimize your workflow time too, I found helps a lot. Mm. Like I used to, um, mm. I used to have this long editing process. Like I would, I'd get my camera and I'd film everything onto an SD card. I'd use QuickTime and record the screen. I use a separate QuickTime thing, record the screen audio, sync it all up, do the edits. And um, take me like two hours or three hours of video. And 
now I just use OBS and like for a video will take me five minutes to edit. It's, it's basically like I one take the videos. And so that means when I'm whenever I'm feeling like I can make a video, I can just be like, bam, video done instead of having to think like, well, this is a four hour investment of my life. I have to make sure this is going to be something worthwhile. I can be like, no, 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 just shoot it and then decide later. Yeah, and that exactly. helps me. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that does that helps me too because realistically filming just a girl in her machine does not take that long. It takes like thirty minutes. Um because I don't do that all in one take. It takes me a mm. while to figure out which uh, you know, uh, group I like the most. So it does take me a little bit, but thirty minutes out of a whole day is not very much. So right. Yeah. There's no excuse to not do it. <laughs> I just pulled up your Instagram, actually. So you have 13,000 followers on your Instagram. How the heck did yeah, you pull that I, <laughs> I used to get, like, I used to be on Instagram all of the time. And, like, t towards the end of 2016 until about the beginning of 2019 is when I kind of stopped using it as much. But, yeah, I would, like, I was on there all the time, like, doing the Gary Vee thing where you would, like, message people mm. and be like, hey you know, reaching out. And I think I'm DM'd like a hundred people a day <laughs> because I, that's all I used to do before I had a nine to five. I was just solely producing music. Like I, that's all I did. Um, but it got to the point where I wasn't enjoying it as much and mm. it took the fun out of it. And I was like really conflicted. So then that's when I got a nine to five job and now I can like have fun again with music yeah. and it not feel like, stress because when you're a creator in that field you never know what your income is going to be every month like some months are way better than others and the the month that it's not so great it can be really stressful and I didn't like that stress so mm -hmm. that's why I lean towards getting a nine-to-five and then um, that's when I started getting off of Instagram a little bit too because you know when we're in this industry we compare ourselves a lot yeah. not because we want to but it just happens like it's just a human thing and it's just not a healthy thing so i got off of there but yeah i was in like dming people like hundreds of dms a day i would scroll my feed like <laughs> just doing comments whatever you know basically networking on instagram yeah and it worked it worked but the the engagement now is just it's so much lower than it used to be. Mm. And I've thought about going through and manually getting rid of the inactive accounts. But 13,000 <laughs> is a lot to go through. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it would really help to do that either. Like, yeah, exactly. It's cool to hear that. You know, we always hear about that Gary V tactic, which um, I think Adam Ivy at some point made his own version. Um, does, he, does he call it the five, five, five strategy? And then Gary V it's like the dollar 80 rule or something. And, but at the end yeah, of the day, it's, it's it's the same kind of thing. You know, pick X amount of hashtags, leave X amount of engaging comments and likes, send X amount of DMs per day. And all those interactions add up to a good amount of like social media points, so to speak. And uh, mm -hmm. people check out your page. They like your, your videos. They click your links and uh, follow you. And it's cool that you actually you actually did it. Like, like yeah. you got a lot of people doing that. Yeah. Yeah, it it was a lot of work. I remember that. 
the, those like 2016, 2017, and most of 2018, it was just a constant daily thing. And yeah, mm. you can burn yourself out on that, but it does work. It, yeah. If I did pick it back up, I feel like it would still do this, get the same results as it got then, though. So I don't think that that, I'm not like one of those people that's like, oh, Instagram's wave died. No, I I think if you did that today where you reached out to people, you would still get that kind of engagement, especially yeah. if you personalize those messages like I was doing, like I was checking out those people's pages and I was like, there were specific things that I would talk about in each DM. It wasn't like a copy paste mm. situation. It was you. It was just starting a conversation with something that would engage them and know that I wasn't a bot. So, right. Yeah. And, and to, to give proof that, uh, you know, according just said is right. You know, I did it like six months ago. Um, I would post every roughly six months ago. I do a daily Instagram post and I would go find a bunch of hashtags that I was posting in and leave comments and like message really good content creators I liked and kind of just try to like have a conversation. And um, it works like it really it still works. Instagram is not like dead by any means, like the organic mm -hmm. reach of just posting with some hashtags and having it explode. Those days are kind of over. But that same yeah. strategy works and it works on twitter it works on facebook it doesn't really work on youtube mm -hmm. <laughs> but no yeah not so much on youtube but it does definitely work on instagram and twitter for sure yeah you don't want to be that person on youtube leaving a comment like wow i found you really did such a great job with your machine video i really like that beat actually i do i make beats with my machine on my channel too. Maybe you'd like to check it out some, I bet you get that all the time. It goes straight to the spam folder because <laughs> anything that says check out. Oh yeah. Not not because of me, but like anything that says check out, it automatically goes to that spam folder. So I don't yeah. know. And I don't look at my spam folder that often. <laughs> I look at it every so, so often I... and like, they're really good at their spam detection. Like. They yeah. they let some stuff through. Like recently, I've been getting a whole bunch of um, people being like, wow, I got really great results with this marketing service. And they drop a link. Like, Why the heck didn't YouTube catch this? And then I just blocked them and delete it. But it's yeah. uh, hopefully it's not a real person actually saying it. But, you know, then it comes from five different accounts with like, yeah, um, no picture and a generic name. And you're like, OK, I get this. <laughs> <laughs> like. Is it fake? Mm, yes. <laughs> yes. Definitively, it is fake. So you've been, uh, how long? Well, actually, I'll just scroll through. Um, your first video was three years ago. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So I found you relatively early. <laughs> like only yeah. a couple of videos it, in. It pretty much, it was a pretty consistent thing for two years that I did. And I had a lot of great organic growth off of it, so... Was there a point where you, you realized like, hey, this is going well? Like, at, at what point did you get to 1,000 followers? And at what point did you get to 5,000 and 10,000? Like, what, what's the kind of roadmap? I mean, 16,600 subscribers in three years is insanely fast. Like, that's just, you, you're killing mm -hmm. it on YouTube. Yeah. Um, it, the first 1,000 happened, like, relatively quickly. I think within... The first six months, six, seven months, I think. And uh, then everything after that just kind of grew faster. Because I was, after the first thousand, I was starting to get like 500 a month. 
and um I've been pretty much there for for a while sometimes it's more but it's been like 500 to a thousand subscribers a month and mm. uh, uh, I've gotten lucky that way and like we were saying about posting more it could it could be more if I posted more content however also I want to have a work-life balance <laughs> because yeah. I don't want to hate music at the end of the day and I don't want to hate YouTube because I started it because I really enjoyed it and I saw that I was starting to take myself way too seriously in videos and mm. I was like oh no I've got to back away because like I'm not serious in real life like <laughs> I joke about everything and, I, and then like I'll like want to joke about something on camera and I'll be like no don't say that <laughs> don't oh, say really? that <laughs> like just super critical of myself and I was like man I don't like this I want to be able to have fun so yeah like I'm just like working on trying to find that balance of you know having fun and also creating content that people want to see and also being able to teach people as well because I do want to help people learn how to do things in a much shorter time than it took me to learn things. Mm. Um, because when I, I started producing when I was like 14, 13 or 14, and I remember reaching out to people and there was a lot of ego involved where people didn't want to tell you how to do things. Like they wanted you to learn how to do it yourself. And I just rem remember how bad that felt and like having to learn everything and how long it took. And yeah. I don't want that for people. If I know something, I want to be able to teach somebody so it can slow their, you know, learning curve. Like we should, you shouldn't be worried about like teaching someone something and then them coming after your spot or something like that. Like yeah. <laughs> that, that ego should not yeah. be a thing <laughs> at all. So yeah, I, I want to be able to teach people how to do stuff. But um, I haven't found um, the the best workflow yet where it's because I don't want to keep my videos long. <laughs> I mm. want to meat and potatoes kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. To the point. But uh, also having a little bit of character in it as well, because I don't want to be like, oh, Courtney, she's yeah. serious. You don't want to be the serious robotic Courtney. It's funny, no. like I, I remember you know, when I first saw your videos, you would, you seemed very shy on camera at first. Like, yes. Hi everyone. It's Courtney. And I'm going to, you know, it's another episode of girl. And then like, now you're just kind of like, it's you're it's completely different. And it's probably the same for yeah. my videos. I cringe every time I watch an older video. Oh um, God. The old videos. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. Uh, I think I, I went the opposite way where I would like overcompensate for being awkward on camera like i was i'll be i guess a little more pumped you know kind of like over yeah. over in that way and now my camera attitude has gotten closer to my real life attitude it still feels a little different but <laughs> i also like figuring out audio for youtube <laughs> like yeah. it's not just video like I was living in an apartment last year and I lived next to a highway. Huh. That was the hardest thing to do, like edit. Like I had so many different microphones. I was going through so many different workarounds, like trying to get it as quiet as possible hmm. in this room so I could film because all you heard was cars just zipping <laughs> by. And I was like, man, I did not realize that this component of YouTube was going to be so hard 
when you think of YouTube, you think of videos, but the audio, it's so important. Yeah. It's, it's like half the battle is the audio and it's, it's harder to probably harder to get the audio right because it's like, you can control the lighting in a room. You can't really, Mm -hmm. you can control the sound in a room, but you're going to have an air conditioner, hopefully at least. Um, And then if like, I actually live very close to a highway. Like I could throw, if if there was no wall here, I could throw like a baseball to the highway. Um, And at rush hour, like I kind of can't record videos because you'll hear like trucks screeching, like their brakes grinding and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, but you know, you just it's just kind of like it's either give up or make it work kind of scenario. So yeah, um, I'll sometimes exactly. use Isotope RX seven to deal with that. I was about to say that was my saving grace. Yeah, <laughs> and now I use I use like a, a Deity shotgun mic for all my videos, um, and that seems to be mm-hmm. good because it's directional. And then, right. Yeah, I switched to the Rode. Um, which one is this? NTG four. And mm. it's a lot better now. Yeah, that's also, that's kind of like the same kind of shotgun style, right? Yeah, it is. Nice. And it it helped tremendously. And I also run it through the um, Zoom. Mm. So I just have my audio go straight into that because when I had it go through the camera, there was like a weird preamp noise oh, that would yeah. go every time. And I there was no way for me to get it out. So I found... Um, running the shotgun mic into the zoom was the best way for the clearest audio. Yeah. And, um, in terms of, in terms of the, the actual video video, I feel like we have an awesome amount of count content, but I want to let everyone know in the chat, drop some questions for, for Courtney. Um, I usually set this up like the first, you know, we kind of bang out a video chat and then we just have a kind of live exclusive section. Cause I want to dive into like what your video setup processes and that might not be good for the final video but it's it's a, it's a cool chat and whoever's hanging out will probably be into it um solo hits music yeah we're live um blake hart says nothing wrong with the nine to five though it's really more than most for most professionals yeah yeah i feel the same way yeah <laughs> yes um tom I'm platz like seven to six <laughs> oh damn that's that's yeah i'm I'm, are you like completely salary based or are you hourly salary kind of blend? Uh, hourly salary, hourly and salary. Okay. Yeah. I'm kind of this, like we have to work X amount of hours. Like we have a salary, but we get compensated for overtime. Um, yeah. So, do I. so it's a, yeah, same kind of thing where you can, you can work more and sometimes you kind of have to, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm most of the time. <laughs> what's your what's your like video work throw? Because you have a one, you have a dope like color grade or something on your videos. Oh, like yeah. the wood on your desk looks super like I don't know has like a depth Thank to it. Thank you. And um, Thank you. What's what's the whole stack like? What's the camera? What's the what's the setup? Okay, so let's start it off with uh, the overhead camera is a Canon seventy D with a Sigma. Uh, 18 to 35 uh, lens. And then the camera that is facing me is the Canon EOS R and it has the Sigma, um, I think it's a 24. Yeah, it's a 24 to 35 lens on it. It's a full frame Hmm. lens. So I'm I'm using the Canon EOS R right now as my like webcam. Oh my God, (laughs) I love that camera. Like it got a lot of hate when it first came out, but I love that camera. I love it too. 
and I have it hooked up to um, uh, an external monitor so I can film it in ten bit log. Ooh. And yeah. No wonder why your really videos much... have so much like like the wood grain looks so epic. A ten bit log, yeah. that's fancy. Yeah. So I have that, and then I just have like a regular like soft box light facing me, and then. I usually have the overhead lights off and then I'll have these back lights on, which I can change to any RGB color. So it mm. also helps get the colors right on the desk and stuff like that. But other than that, the audio is the Rode NTG4 and it's running into the Zoom H6. And that is pretty much it for like recording an audio. Yeah. And then I use OBS to screen cap and I also use it, like, even when I'm not uh, capturing my screen, I'll use it to get the audio so I can mm. use it for, like, the video. So, like, you don't hear, like, the camera audio for the music parts. So I'll just grab the audio uh -huh. from the screen cap. So it's it sounds like, you know, good. <laughs> and yeah. there aren't any other external noises. So, yeah. I just sync that all up and I put it all into Final Cut Pro and start working from there i don't nice. use any crazy luts though i just kind of mess with the color grading a bit hmm yeah i've never purchased a lut like the, the lut that's on my actually well for for you in the zoom call i probably look super like um what's the word like i guess log cool well it's yeah the, cool. the lighting is very very like it's cold but like it's very flat um because on this is like straight from the camera, so it's a log setting. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the stream, it looks like my normal thing because in OBS you can import like a LUT. And so I made in right. Premiere Pro, I make my LUT export it as like dot LUT or whatever it is. Um, and then you can yeah. throw it in OBS and uh, and that's how I, I do it at least. But that's a sweet that's setup. That's really good. Okay good tip yeah so <laughs> because i've been thinking about doing live streams so i did not know that that was possible <laughs> yeah and i've been meaning to make a video um by the way there's 20 of you watching and there's only 10 likes come on guys Gosh. <laughs> gotta gotta smash get a smash that like smash button. smash that like button <laughs> <laughs> um I, I i've never asked that before and then i asked it on my monday live stream and it was like shot up and i was like yes <laughs> That's why people. Um, yeah, so I, I'm gonna make a video about this soon because I did it. You ever heard of Ruslan KD? Yeah. So I did a, like one of these chats with him, and he set up his uh, streaming setup to record, and it was like phenomenal to me. Basically, at this point, I've completely like replicated his setup minus some conveniences that he has. So I use a mm -hmm. um, what's it called a, a cam link. A, a, yeah. Elgato cam link and you can plug the yeah, USR the straight into your into OBS and that gives this both for streaming and for videos and then I got one of those stream decks I don't think I can actually pull the cable long enough but it just oh, got the one with the, like the little buttons on it yeah like, so can... it's kind of like a MIDI controller for video <laughs> and you can like nice. click a button and change like whether you want to go to a screen cap or full screen you or maybe like you overlaid so you set up all these scenes and it's like you hit a button and it's like now i'm split screen now i'm full me now i'm just screen and that's you kind of change from having to sync and edit all these little things after the fact to performing all your 
transitions. So you'll be kind of right. like for, imagine for like um, just a girl on a machine or maybe one of your software demos where you have like an overlaid mm -hmm. plugin, you would just set up the screen capture with the camera like natively and you could just use your controller and have no editing after. Okay, I'm gonna have to look into this now. It'll save you a ton of time, like I, I guarantee. I feel it. like this will save me so much time. <laughs> it saves me three hours per video, essentially. Oh my god. Maybe two hours per video, but it's it, it, it adds up to you know like a lot of time. <laughs> like it's like gaining yeah. a day of your life back a month, basically. Right. And um, greater greater Alexander says so sweet to see Courtney. I've been following you for a while while I was interested in beat making and contemplating learning logic. Courtney, have you thought about trying to do other genres of music? Actually, yes, I have. Um, I play guitar and I really like into like indie uh, rock stuff, like alternative stuff. So yes, to answer that question, I <laughs> actually have been. And I listen to all types of music, though. Nice. Nice, nice. It's always cool when I, I have someone on and like several people like, I know that person. <laughs> it's, uh, F. Jord asks, where do you both find inspiration from your music? For me, it's usually a melody that pops into my head or I get it from playing piano. What do you think? Uh, usually a melody that pops into my head. And also, um, this is weird. Um, but whenever I hear somebody listening to music, but through a wall, the <laughs> I hear random melodies that don't sound anything like what they're listening to. And it always inspires me. Like I will immediately grab my phone and hum out what I'm hearing in my head. Just <laughs> very strange. But you, I encourage everyone to try this, like listen to music through a wall and see what you come up with and then like go back around and listen to it. And it sounds nothing like what you thought it was. Well, that's super weird. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> Super weird, but it is very like helpful if you're like in those ruts where you're having beat block. Yeah. Like, oh wow. Okay. That's not what I would actually would have heard if I was in the same room. Yeah. Uh, for me, I guess the inspiration probably, I guess it varies. Like sometimes um, I'll be playing guitar and I'll like my main my first main instrument is guitar, um, and I'll just kind of like play a cool thing. And I'll turn it into a song. Sometimes the guitar riff ends up being a piano or, or a synthesizer or a vocal line. And um, sometimes I'll start it off from a more, I guess, marketing perspective sometimes. Like I've been going down the future-based direction a lot more lately. And I'll like, I remember specifically for my song Dreaming, I was, I was having trouble marketing my songs before because I didn't know who they sounded like. So I was like, I'm going to double down on this future based thing, at least for a few songs. So what I did is I played a bunch of Millennium music, one of my favorite artists. And um, I was like, in terms of structure and like the vibe of each part, I was like, I'm going to model my song after I forget what Millennium song it was. Um, and yeah, I think I started off like looking up a bunch of different Millennium chord progressions. I kind of mapped them out in piano. And by the time I finished like a section, it was completely different and it was his own thing. Right. So sometimes I definitely like reverse engineering things helps you. Yeah. Like just just learn new tools and techniques on how to do things production wise. Like having a, a new set of uh, tools is very helpful when you find yourself uninspired because 
sometimes when you're feeling uninspired, it's like you've maxed out the potential of what you already know. Mm. So if you deconstruct and reverse engineer songs or beats or whatever it is, you're you're learning something new and now you have this new set where you can create other things that you couldn't before. So I think that's also helpful is learning new new tools, basically. Yeah, for sure. Either like uh, learning a new chord progression or learning a new production trick. Um or learning how to like a new technique in guitar. Like if you never learned how to sweep pick or something, you know, you will start yeah. making all these crazy arpeggios and you never used tapping before. You'll come up with all of these different tapping patterns. Um, so let's see. That's uh, Blake. That's what I need to start doing. Edits are killer. Oh, oh, you're talking about the um, OBS thing. Yeah, I think next week I'm going to have that video. Um, Ruslan, if, if everyone knows Ruslan, R-U-S-L-A-N-K-D, his channel, he actually just dropped his video show, sharing his YouTube strategy like two days ago. And I was like, shit, he beat me to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, damn it. <laughs> damn it. I was going to show everyone how to do how he edits videos. And now he showed it himself. Because um, <laughs> in the video, I was going to be like, up front, I was going to be like, listen, everyone, I, I learned this from Ruslan. So like, be sure to check him out. Um, but he, he already showed it. So, <laughs> but I'm going to still make the video anyways, because um, he uses slightly different gear and stuff. So it'll still be cool. Yeah. Uh, Courtney, do you have an Instagram? Yes, she does. It's um, at prod by Court. I'll just put it in the chat. <laughs> Somebody called me late. They, in they DM me on Instagram and they were like, hey, prod. <laughs> <laughs> Assumed your first name was Prod and your last name was Courtney and your middle name was Courtney. <laughs> I was like, yes. I mean, your name is Hello. literally in your, like, your name name is Courtney Hawkins. Your at symbol is produced Prod by Courtney. Yeah. So it must I have know. been a bot like, or something. <laughs> I laughed so hard. I was like, I knew this would happen one day. <laughs> Sup, Prod. What the heck? Sup, Prod. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you also have an Instagram. A Twitter. Oh, sorry. That's what I meant, a Twitter. Man, yeah. Twitter, I, I have always hated Twitter. Um, Me too. It, it's a hard place. It's by, I, I think I'm saying it like it's by far the most toxic social media platform. Like, mm. in terms of just like people being jerks on Twitter. I, like, I've never really had it happen to me. I'm just like saying observing people like, that's where all like the cancel culture stuff lives. That's where all the people kind of just yelling into the void and, and yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like a lot of negativity and very little positivity. Yeah. It, like I feel, and it's, it's a hard place to be on for extended amounts of time. Yeah, I find myself getting like angry when I use Twitter. Like yeah. someone will share, uh, like the other day there was that <clears throat> that that guy that got shot in the back like seven times or whatever and i yeah. went through the rabbit hole of reading all the replies to that and i was like angry <laughs> you know i was like you know, physically you can feel it in your chest yeah and you're like oh god and then uh so then i just stop and then you scroll a little bit more and then someone else you know you look at the tags and someone's trending and you find out like someone's like canceled or someone like was killed or died and it's just like nothing ever trends this good like you know it's no <laughs> or somebody is trending and their name is trending and you're like oh please <laughs> tell me they didn't die yeah <laughs> like that's the first reaction i'm like oh god 
this place is so negative. Yeah, but I use it, and we all use it. Yeah. Uh, I use it for my live streams also, usually. Also, like, uh, the producer community on there is a bit annoying because they're always arguing over who uses loops and who doesn't. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I feel like we have this argument once every week. Yeah. And it's just like, let people make music. Who cares if they use loops? Like, I don't... I mean, it's a big deal. One time I made a song. I got like a Cymatics pack and I thought it'd be fun to make a song 100% with just Cymatics loop from that pack and release it. And I did and it came out great, and uh, it wasn't necessarily even easier than making a song from scratch <laughs> because no. you know, it's, it was almost harder because I was chopping up all these little bits and like warping and and uh, so the whole like you're using loops it's not really a good like it's not that offensive. <laughs> no, and it's like if you hate on people that use loops, then you have to hate on all the people that use samples. And yeah, you can't like that, that. Can't do that. Yeah, like the that Andrew Wong series, um, where everyone Corporate flipped the same. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been on that? No, I asked him though. <laughs> he was like, I he messaged me. He direct messaged me. He's like, I see you, and I love what you're doing, but uh, the list is very long right now. Okay. And I was like, Andrew. Don't break my heart like this. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see you on there. Because, like, Lil ba Bad Snacks Bad was on Snacks there. was on there. First was crazy. So was um, Sarah Too Ill. Sarah Too Ill. I don't know if you know her. Yeah, she's got, like, yeah. a, a 1 million monthly streams in or 900,000 monthly streams in Spotify. Like, Yeah, I think she's hooked up with Epidemic Sounds. So they kind of, you know, help okay. get, them, get in playlists and stuff. Yeah, because I, like, I, you know, I, I'm down to chat with anybody. I would love to talk with, like, Bad Snacks or Sarah Too Ill because they, they, they're, like, doing some crazy things, like Bad Snacks with the, the live community. And um, she does a lot of live stuff. And she's, like, a violin player yeah. that does samples. and so. Crazy talented musician, like, like multi-instrumentalist, like, top tier. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like a lot of her growth happens offline too because she's not really yeah. like she's kind of a youtuber but she even says she hates being called a youtuber um yeah and it seems like she grew offline which is super unique like most people i know grew grow online um and then sarah to i have no idea where she came from i just saw her on andrew wong's video looked her up and i was like who is this person that has a million monthly streams on spotify um, yeah, she started on YouTube, too, I think, uh, with the machine, because she came out to Berlin with the Native Instruments stuff. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and we were all chatting and talking and, like, just a super, super cool person. Um, yeah, she has a lot. She's she's working on a lot of music, and uh, it watching her growth has just been really, really fun to see, honestly. Yeah. It's always dope to see like a woman do really cool things in in yeah. a predominantly male industry. So, yeah, yeah, I I did an episode with um, Ashley from Woman Crush Music, and mm -hmm. I remember she threw some statistic that like three percent of producers or four percent of, of producers are women, and I was like, and I was like, well, that makes sense because off the top of my head, I can name 
a million guy producers. And then uh, for women producers, it's like Courtney Hawkins. <laughs> uh, and then it's, it's, it's you know, the, the people we were just talking about. And then it's like uh, yeah. the people who do, um, uh, what's her name? The YouTuber. I use her as an example a lot. Gabby Hanna's producers. Oh, oh yeah. Um, they were like a duo. But yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird thing. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. I don't get it. But yeah, I agree. It's cool. Um, then it's let's see who else. Bo Beats gave you called you an honorary Swede. Yeah, he did. He, <laughs> he kept telling me that when we were when we were in Berlin, he was like, you he, he was like, I don't understand how you're American. You're too nice. Like he's like, you're too humble. And <laughs> He was like, you would be a really good Swedish. He, he'd be like, you'd be a really good Swedish person. You're going to be an honorary Swede. And I was like, no. <laughs> I love that for me. You know, I was like, I don't know if to be offended or happy about this. I guess I'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> but well, he's kind of right. Um, a lot of, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of Americans give off the, the bad vibe, you know. <laughs> well, just like overly <laughs> confident sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's usually it the, the loudest um the worst people are usually the loudest so i i understand why a lot yeah. of other countries have bad impressions of us americans <laughs> yes aren't you in like massachusetts yeah where are you from massachusetts yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. yeah where are you from missouri missouri i've never been to missouri i've never been to massachusetts either oh i've been to been to a couple east coast states but not massachusetts it's it's all right. We get a lot of snow, and it's it's uh, crazy weather. And I wish we had a lot of snow. Missouri is is that landlocked? Yeah. That's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. No beaches. No beaches. We have lakes, but that's about it. <laughs> but the summers are so hot here. It's so humid. It sucks. You don't have like a. I mean, I guess maybe it's because I'm very bad at geography, but I would assume that people from Missouri have like a southern accent. But you don't have a southern accent. It's, it's um, it's since it's right in the middle of America, it's more like a midwestern accent. But I'm not gonna lie to you, Missouri is like half midwestern and half southern. Okay. So some people do have a southern accent. Yeah. It's a little weird. Someone in the chat, uh, Hemenf, Heman, Hemenf. Fest? Manifest. I'm probably saying that wrong. I'm in Arkansas. <laughs> so yeah, you, you What's up? You, Arkansas, I'm like two hours away from you. <laughs> well, so I've never been to like most of the middle of the country, like all the Northeast, uh, California, um, Texas, Canada, some Caribbean islands, and that's pretty much it. So <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I've pretty much just been in the middle. The Solo. furthest west I've been is Colorado. I've never been there. Solo Hits Music is in Tennessee. Tom Platts is in England. Nice. Hey, Tom Platts. <laughs> Do you know Tom Platts? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just, <saying. laughs> Just giving a good old American hello. Yeah. Hello, Tom Platts. Tom Platts makes some dope music. He was in, uh, he's often is in my music review Monday streams. Um, did this question already come? Yeah, Tom Platt's actually asked, um, 
what do you do when you hit a creative block? Any tips to feel re-inspired when you're stuck on something? And we kind of kind of talked about that with the where do you find inspiration? Um, Courtney listens to music through a wall. <laughs> I listen to music through a wall, and that's it. I just sit outside of the room. No, but also like getting through creative blocks as well is like a lot of people are like, oh, you just you know inspiration it comes and goes but like that's kind of bullshit a little bit like you have to if you have to treat it like a job really like if you want to work through the creative block you have to work through it and you yeah. have to like start creating things and there are going to be things where you don't you know necessarily care for but then eventually you'll get to the things that you do but the more that you work through it uh the easier it gets to you know get through those creative blocks i think rather than just not looking at your computer at all or working on any melodies or on in any instruments. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. I agree. You have to work through it in some way. And one way that I do it often is if I'm stuck and I want to make music, I'll start by kind of modeling. Like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll look up a chord because like, you know, you can't copyright a chord progression no matter what lawyers of major labels will try to say in, in lawsuits right. um but you can't copyright a chord progression so what often mm-hmm. if i'm stuck i'll be like well i want to make a song in this vibe and so i'll look up a chord progression for a couple different songs and i'll i'll try like putting them on like a piano vst or i'll put start playing them in guitar i might look up like a guitar riff tab and kind of like do that and morph it and come up with my own version or something and you know by the time mm-hmm. even if you try to rip off someone's song you're going to end up with something different unless you're really good at ripping off people's music. <laughs> so. And, and to that, like there have been studio sessions that I have seen where they will put a song up into the, the DAW and then they will start riffing over it and then they yeah. will remove that track and like whatever they have, like that's just like they do this in the industry as well, where they just kind of, start listening to um, music and kind of reverse engineering it and making their own type of stuff and, you know, going from there. So, I mean, it might be shamed upon, but <laughs> I think everyone does that at some point to try to get inspiration. So. Yeah, totally. And um, loops is another thing that I'll, I'll go through if I'm stuck. Um, mm-hmm. Like I use loops in my production, like, you know, every couple songs, there's usually some some loops, um, either like a cool drum fill or like. Um, but if I'm stuck, I'll go to like a cymatics, like one of the big cymatics pack where they have drops and loops, and I'll just throw that in a track and try to just like write in a circle around it, kind of thing. You know. Um, yeah. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes you end up with. Sometimes one of your, it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't, and then you're out of your you creative know, block. Sometimes it doesn't, and you're like, wow. I don't know how I made that, but it's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you ever get that way where you're like, you'll listen to something you're like, I don't remember how I did this. I don't know if I'll ever be able to do it again. <laughs> Usually. Uh, Sometimes I feel that. <laughs> every time, pretty much. Especially back um, in, like, before I was doing mostly metal music. And so it was very mm-hmm. guitar heavy. And it's very, like, technical guitar heavy. Like, very mm-hmm. complicated um like 12 minute progressive metal songs and uh i would like one of the one of the drummers i work with he was very like slow in his process whereas i'm always kind of like get a song finish it release it get a song finish it release it 
Um, he he wanted to like take months work working on his stuff. At least initially. Now he's a lot faster. Um, shout out Mike. Shout out to you, Mike, if you <laughs> see this video. Um, <laughs> but he he likes to be very perfect. And by the time he would be done writing, I would have to go back and try to like relearn my songs by ear because I wouldn't know how to oh play them. God. And because what happens is I would I record while I write. So like I come up with the riff and then I record on the spot and then I keep writing and recording and. So the first time I track something is the first and last time I ever play it. And then I have to relearn it when we're re like finalizing the song. And it's when you have like it's tapping tough. riffs and solos and it's like a nightmare, you know. It's... I, that happens to me almost every time I write something on guitar. I'm like recording it always because I don't remember how I played it, especially like the finger picking <laughs> yeah i'm like what what was i doing and then you like have to learn from the audio that you recorded of yourself which is a bit embarrassing <laughs> we gotta do what we gotta do it got to the point where i would set up a video camera every time i was tracking and uh, mm -hmm. upload it to google drive for my phone so that way i would always have a record and um that's there was a point where we had another guitarist so i could send it to them and they could learn from that and then i could learn for myself <laughs> Right. Oh, God. The struggles. MNFS says, uh, you are optimistic. I'm guessing he's talking about us saying, sometimes it might come out good. <laughs> I'm guessing that's what you're saying. <laughs> optimistic. I mean, I mean, there aren't too many songs that I make. Okay. Also, this is important to say. We are usually over overly critical of the music that we create and oftentimes mm. for me the the songs that i don't particularly enjoy the most other people love like that happens yeah. a lot more than it doesn't so also you have to put that into a account like just release it because like you never know who it's going to connect with because i never do like the songs that i usually like really really love and am passionate about they don't really land as well as I thought that they would. And then the songs that I'm not super connected to, they tend to do better. So, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. Like, 100% agree. My, my song Socialize, I thought mm -hmm. would be a complete flop. But I liked it, but I didn't, I didn't think it was my best song. I thought it was, it was like, good. And I was just going to release it because I thought it was good. I didn't think it was my best. Um, and I released it and it's my, by far my best stream song. It's like 110,000 streams right now and it's climbing and, um, in terms of advertising, it's performed better than all my other songs in advertising in terms of cost. And then the other one was my song Neutron, which was the only song that I used. Usually my rule was I would only use a vocal acapella if it was a female acapella. So that way it was obvious mm -hmm. it wasn't me singing. But this one song, I decided to use a male acapella. And I was like, it's a cool song. It's fun. It's not going to be like, going to do well. But like, it just did super well. It was like, what the hell? <laughs> and then my next song did way, like significantly worse. And I thought it was way better than that one. So it's, you never know. <laughs> you never know, ever. It's so subjective. Yeah. 